No, but it was it was very well done. No. Okay, we're on. I know we only got a couple people here, but we'll get started. Let's see here. We got uh, Psalm 119, verse 137. Which is... Sadi. Sadi. Righteous are you, O Lord, and your laws are right. Statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. Deal wears me out. My enemies ignore your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested in your Though I am lowly in this, not forget you. Your righteousness is lasting. Trouble and distress have come upon hands of impolite. Your statutes are ever right. Give me understanding. Now, yours says, um, my enemies, verse 139, my enemies... Um, uh, ignore your words. I much prefer that. I don't know what it actually says in the Hebrew, but this one says, because my enemies have forgotten your words. No, I, I, I'm just not entirely sure which is correct, but ignoring sounds more like it. You know, they probably have just never known it in the first place. But Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the uh, chance to come and re-engage with the book of Romans. And uh, certainly uh, we have a small class here today, and we'd hope that more people would be on their way in. And if not, just hope that they would be okay and that there aren't any uh, any problems keeping them from uh, attending. And uh, Lord, we uh, thank you for this precious word you've given us. It is so wonderful. And we thank you for all the good blessings you've given us. You are marvelous in all your ways. And we just commit this uh, time to you. And uh, we love you and we praise you and we exalt you and we do so in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Amen. Hello, how y'all doing there? Hello, hello. See, just, just getting started. Hello, how are you? My mother's firstborn. Oh boy. It's her birthday today, so. Yeah, that's what I heard. Let's see here. We're in Romans 1, and we're, we're still in the middle of a verse. We only got halfway through verse 29, so we'll, uh, we'll do that. What's that? Start there. Well, yeah, go ahead and read verse 129 again. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, malice. Okay. And we, gossips. They're gossips. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. We got, we got as far as malicious. Wait a minute, I'm getting a call, so maybe this thing is not working. Let me see here. I, I want to make sure online is actually working. This is from Sergio, I do believe. Hey, what's up? Oh, yeah, I thought maybe you were calling because the recording wasn't working or something. Yeah, we got to go. Bye-bye. Yeah, I, you know, when Sergio calls one minute after we start, you figure it's probably there's a, a problem with the system, but he forgot. He's in his car driving somewhere. Okay, so we got down as far as uh, maliciousness, but I'm gonna before we uh, get into uh, the rest of 129, two announcements. What? Chapter one, verse twenty. Yeah, one twenty-nine. Oh, one. Chapter one, verse twenty-nine. Yeah. Um, before we get into that, though, uh, today is the third anniversary of the Superior Word. So uh, we uh, opened on 13 October of uh, 2013, and we've survived. I have to tell you how nice it would be if we could build a church someday, uh, it, it's almost impossible to keep people in this building, and I don't know why. We're in a strip mall, and 
you know, people want big churches and coffee and, and bands and stuff, and you're not going to get that in a church like this. We just don't have the room or the accommodation for it. But um, the online ministry, and I'm saying this because of the people that are watching, if it wasn't for them, we would not have a church. And I want every one of them to know, and I'm speaking to all of you online, uh, I, how much it means to me that you participate in this church and uh, help out with it because it, it, we, we would not be open with the number of people we have in this church. It, it's just not possible. And we, it's very hard to get people to come and to keep coming. So uh, my heart is geared to you, and I thank you with all of my heart for, uh, for attending online, for telling other people about it and sharing it with people. And I get stories all the time. You know, somebody moves into the neighborhood, and well, I can't find a church I like, and where do you attend? Well, we attend online. And they send it to them, and uh, sure enough, we have a new person attending. And, and so the fact that we have a superior word that is out in the world is... It, it just touches my heart. So thank, thank you, and thank all the people that come here as well. I mean, we got m half of the congregation right now that's uh, here doesn't attend this church. They just come for the Bible study, and um, uh, yeah, I, I thank you guys for coming faithfully every week. But I just want the people online to know how much it means to me that they share in this church and they participate in it and uh, they consider it theirs. It, it means the world to me. And then secondly, um, before we get into one twenty nine. Um, I, I had quite a few questions about the nature of God, all the same question um, over the past week, and um, I tried to explain it very quickly because, you know, I get a lot of emails and it takes up a lot of time answering. I, I, it just does, and so I don't ever give a full answer, and I won't here either, but it's something that I want to make sure people understand, is that um, we were talking about um, God not changing, and that means that God does not have emotions. That doesn't mean that God does not is not emotional. God is love, but the love does not change. God it has wrath, and as I said, the wrath is directed to us when we change in relation to him. It's not that God changes in any way. He doesn't go from liking us to not liking us. Okay, and I want people to understand that. When you talk about the nature of God, especially the person of Jesus Christ, you always have to ask two questions. Could, uh, does God have a beginning? No. Does Jesus have a beginning? The human Jesus? Yes, he was born. Can God learn anything? No. He's, he's uh, omnipotent. He's, uh, uh, what's the word, omniscient. He's all-knowing, and uh, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's all-powerful, and he's all-knowing. God doesn't learn anything. Can Jesus learn? Now, let's not answer that can. Could Jesus learn? Are we talking... The human Jesus. When I'm saying Jesus, I'm talking about the human. Yes, he uh, grew in uh, favor with God and men. He uh, grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Hello, how you doing there? Um, and then we have, um, you know, uh, can uh, God mourn? No, because mourning implies a change. And he created time, and therefore, if he mourns in the way that we're thinking of as a human being, that would occur within time. Time would occur during that process of changing. In God, there is no change. But Jesus mourned. He wept, right? Okay. Uh, so when you're thinking of God, the creator, and that's why when I go through the, the, like the Exodus sermons and uh, when we were doing something about the Ten Commandments, and I don't remember the exact passage, but it kept saying the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And then it said that, God is the one that 
did something with the Ten Commandments. In other words, it is God who does not change. His standard is eternal, and that is reflected in the Ten Commandments. He doesn't change. He doesn't get happy over it. He doesn't get sad over it. No change in God, no time associated with anything he does. So when we say, is God, you know, does he get angry? The answer is no. God does not get in love with somebody. He is love, okay? These are his, his characteristics. His uniting with creation in the person of Jesus Christ is where the change comes from. And that's why I continuously harp on the thought of the eternal Christ. Jesus Christ is God, and he is man, and he was born in a woman's womb, right? God incarnate, but the same Christ that was born in that womb is the same Christ that stood in front of Joshua with the sword drawn. He's the same Christ that walked up to Abraham. He's not the pre-incarnate Christ. He is the eternal Christ. Pre-incarnate is a logical contradiction. That means he was the Christ before he was the Christ. That doesn't make any sense at all. It is the same Christ. He moves in and out of time, directing history towards himself. Okay, That's very evident if you read the Bible and you think about it from that perspective. All right. So I just want to make sure that people understand this, is that God does not change. When we see the term Lord in the Old Testament, Jehovah, that is Jesus. That is the Lord that we're speaking of. It's just that it is him before he became incarnate. But at the same time, his incarnate nature will show up from time to time, and it's the same Lord. That's why we have uh, different aspects of the Lord in the Old Testament. Won't Anytime you... What's that? Won't that be a shock to the... Uh, it'll be a big shock to the Jehovah's Witnesses, and it'll be a big shock to the Jews as well. The Lord is the Lord. And that's why I think it's maybe this week's sermon or it was last week's sermon. I can't remember which. But um, I explain that we use the term the Lord. And people get all excited about that and they get all bent out of shape over it. We used to call him by his divine name. I had somebody uh, in the past two days emailing me about this question. Um, should we call Jesus Yahshua? You know, it's not right calling him Jesus. That's not his name. What are we going to call him in heaven? It, it, that's, it, that's a distraction. That kind of stuff is nonsense. Yes. We are the Gentile nations. There are a million different people speaking his name in a million different languages, and none of them are going to be perfectly aligned with the Hebrew, right? Um, uh, secondly, we don't, don't really know what the divine name of the Lord is in the Old Testament. It's four letters, yud Hey vav Hey. Some people say Jehovah. There was no J in the Hebrew. So I say Jehovah because that's as close as we could probably get. Some people say Yahweh. Others say different names, okay? We don't know how to pronounce that. So it's a distraction for us to say this is the correct divine name of the Old Testament. And it's also a distraction to say that we have to call Jesus Yahshua because his name wasn't Yahshua, it was Yeshua. So even the guys that make these, these arguments are doing it without any substantiation and without any real knowledge of what they're talking about. They just want to impose a standard on people to get them to feel like they are, in other words, it's bondage. All it is, these Hebrew roots movements and all of the things that they teach are bondage. I don't know how I got off on that uh, subject. I just wanted people to know the nature of God. God does not change, and, okay? A, the divine God, Jesus, the human aspect of God does change, okay? And that's why we can see change in the Lord in the Old Testament is because it is Christ. He is interacting with humanity. He is interacting with his creation. Now, I, I know that's confusing. And when I first heard it, I thought, well, that can't be. That, you know, I, I'm reading the Bible and I'm thinking, well, 
That doesn't make sense with the way the nature of God. But if you think about it, and if you ponder it as you're reading the Bible, it will make sense to you more and more, especially if you understand that he is outside of his creation. He created everything, and therefore everything is within time. He was before time. There cannot be time in God. So keep that in mind, and uh, uh, I hope that that'll help you. And I can give you more information on that via email, but I can't give it all in one spurt. If you have a, another question based on something that you send me, I'll answer that as well. But, you know, it's a very long and complicated thing, understanding the nature of God. But I had so many questions this week, I thought I'd address it before we got into Romans. So, um, sure. yes? The Lord is angry with the wicked every day. It's something very That's close right. to that. Well, when, when we say something like that, that would be his divine nature, and he would be angry with the wicked every day because they are in they are the ones that moved in relation to him, not the other way around. Okay, once again, God, if it's speaking of his divine nature, doesn't change. Okay? And so he has an anger at wickedness. It is something, and you know, when we say anger as well, it doesn't mean that his nostrils are flaring and that this is God. This is us changing in relation to God who is spirit, all right? Enter the Lord who is in, in uh, uh, united with creation in the person of Jesus. You can have an actual change in the Lord. But in God, I'm talking about the divine being, there is no change. Jesus learns, God does not learn. Jesus could die, God cannot die. And we need to remind ourselves of this as you're reading through the Bible, which you should be reading the Bible, as you're reading through the Bible, think on that. And just contemplate it. And the more you do, the more you will understand that. Then this isn't me that made this up. This is very intelligent men throughout the past 2,000 years that have contemplated the nature of God and they've put it in writing. The preeminent scholar of this uh, understanding who is alive in the world today is Norman Geisler. Okay, he's the guy that founded the Bible College and Seminary that I attended. You can look him up online. You can read his commentaries. He is very intelligent, and he can make these very complicated issues simple. When he talks to you, when he does a class or when he does a, a conference or something, you say, why didn't I know that before? Why, why couldn't I have just thought that through? It's because it's very complicated, and he's just been able to word it in a way that now the light dawns in your head. And that's what it took for me as well. All right, So don't think that I'm just making these things up as I go. This is standard theology, but... It takes a lot of deep thinking in order to grasp it. And once you grasp it, then you say, oh, well, I get that. And then if you're smart enough, like Dr. Geisler, you can turn it around and you can make little syllogisms, this, 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 therefore this, and you say, ah, and everybody understands. So there you go. How you doing, Dale? Good to see you there. Yes, sir. All right. You uh, said that about this Geisler. I always avoided reading after him because I thought that he was out there. No, he is a very, man. very intelligent man. Norman Geisler... Is, is a very, he's an apologet, apologist and he is also a, um, uh, a more into Christian philosophy, defending against other philosophers that are anti-Christian. How do you defend against their arguments? He's very good at that. And, uh, you know, he's got some things that I completely disagreed with, just as I would with, you know, anybody. We're all, you get, somebody said it to me this week, and I don't remember who it was, but they said if you have two people in a room, eventually they're going to get angry at each other. We just, we just disagree. That's not a reason to break fellowship is, to, you know, having a little bit of different doctrine. In other words, Norman Geisler, um, he, uh, 
he had some, mostly the moral issues. He did a uh, class and it was mostly moral issues. And um, uh, I just disagreed with him on about 10 of them. And it's right in scripture. I mean, it wasn't like, so he is more grounded in, in understanding apologetics, the nature of God and things like that. And he's not that good, in my opinion, in scripture itself. Although he does know scripture and he's, he's good. He's just, he has not processed it quite in the way that maybe somebody that's been in the Bible their whole life has, okay? I'm not trying to put him down in any way because he's a great, great thinker. And none, but, of this, none of the differences are. No, none of the differences were, were salvific in nature. You're not gonna lose your salvation. Here's one example and then we'll move on. Um, can you be burned, uh, cremated, or do you need to be buried? And, you know, people, people argue that, okay? One, the Bible doesn't address it. You have to go to the Old Testament examples, okay? And in the Old Testament, burning was probably not the, uh, the, the choice way of doing things. That has nothing to do with the uh, dispensation of grace, okay? It's not addressed in the Bible. And yet, during our class on Christian ethics, I said morals, but it's more ethics. On Christian ethics, he said, well, we should not be cremated. Well, that's Church of Christ gets into that, and they say if you get cremated, you can never be saved. You get off on all these stupid tangents because of stuff like that, okay? There's no, how many people have been burned to death that were Christians in the world? Is that any different than being cremated? People who have died in nuclear bombs, I'm sure that some of them were Christians in Nagasaki and Hiroshima, all right? The particles are all over the universe. It doesn't matter to God. God can do anything, including bringing people back. We have people that get eaten by sharks, right? Does that exclude you from going to heaven? It's a side issue. It, it is something that people debate and they get all their little pet peeves about it. When the Bible doesn't address it, it doesn't matter. So let's get back into, uh, I'm sorry for making that so long. I said it would do it really quickly, but it's, uh, it, they're important issues, but uh, we should be in Romans. So um, we stopped with maliciousness last week, Romans 129, and maliciousness is next. It indicates ill will, which is fundamentally vicious in nature. So if you have somebody that is uh, um, uh, fundamental, they, they just are always vicious, okay, towards other people. That's what this is speaking about. And we all know somebody like that. We all know somebody that is, uh, 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 you know, just they're just spiteful to be spiteful. They say things that hurt other people's feelings. They're, they're not polite. That's what Paul is speaking about there. Um, one may consider a soul longing for revenge and filled with extreme bitterness in this category. Somebody's just pent up with anger all the time. Okay, that's what that is speaking about. Okay, and uh, then we go on. Another of the list is uh, being full of envy. Webster's describes it this way. Okay, uh, I just went to Webster's dictionary and uh, pain, uneasiness, mortification, or discontent, excited by another's prosperity, accompanied with some degree of hatred or malignity. All right, and often with a desire or an effort to deprecate the person and with pleasure in seeing him depressed. Once again, that's envy, and we all know that, but I like the way that, you know, usually when I go to a word, I try to stick with a Bible commentary on it, but most of them were lacking in this word, and that's why I went to Webster's. And he's absolutely right. Let me read that again. This is envy. He did a very good job of what I believe Paul is saying to us. Pain, uneasiness, uh, mortification, or discontent, excited by another's prosperity, okay? Mm -hmm. Somebody is prosperous, and you know what? I hate to say this, but what do you think is going on with Black Lives Matter? They're not willing to go out and work. They sit at home all day long, and they smoke crack or whatever they're doing, and they see people getting ahead in the world, and they say, it's because I, my great-great-great-grandfather was a slave, and I'm being mistreated. It's your fault. 
And that's what this is speaking of. You know, I don't hate these people. We're down in the projects every Saturday, you know, ministering to people, trying to get them to think through things differently. But that is what envy is. It's a bitterness which is inside of us that's eating up at us because somebody else has achieved something. And why, why should anybody be upset that this person lives in this part of the country and this person lives in this part of the country? It's where you were born. If you don't want to live there, get up and move, right? And if you want that house, get a job and start saving your money. I've, I've said this a million times. I, I go down to the projects and usually before I do, I go to scrap all. I collect all the, the scrap on the side of the road throughout the week. People have garbage laying out and I see a, you know, a shovel. I'll go cut off the handle and there's a piece of metal. And I just, I'm working, I'm doing something all week long, picking up metal and cans and I sort them all into copper and aluminum and I take them down to scrap all before I go to the projects. And just an example, suppose I get a hundred bucks, right? That's something that I've earned. I had to go out and I had to pick that stuff up and I had to separate it and I get a hundred dollars. And I, as I'm driving through the projects, I think this every time I'm there, if I was to give this to any one of these people, any one of them, it would be gone by the end of the day and they'd have nothing to show for it. They would fritter it away. But if a Chinese guy moved into the projects because he just came from overseas and that's where he can afford to live and I gave it to him, next year he would have a business, he'd have his own home, he'd have a Mercedes, and because they're willing to get up and work. We had a person just like this uh, from Egypt that was in the projects. He moved in because that's what they could afford. He bought a house. He moved out, right? But they started and they're in the projects for a very short time as they're saving money, working hard, and then they go out and they get out of that life. But this is envy, is people seeing something that somebody else has earned of their own accord and they want to take it away from them. Classic example, the liberal left. You haven't earned that, you don't deserve that, we're taking it away from you and we're giving it to somebody that is shiftless and not going to do anything with it, all right? And why do they do that? Because they can control the vote that way. All right, envy. Um, let's see here, Rod. The soul filled with envy is bitter indeed and will go to great lengths to injure another simply because someone has received something they feel they deserve, which they didn't deserve, okay? And they, they feel that the other person didn't deserve it. Where does that come from? I, I just don't understand it. You know, people earn money, let them be. But there's always somebody there trying to take away what you have earned if you're willing to work hard. Cain and Abel. Yep, absolutely. A Abel earned his, the Lord's favor by his offering. Cain did not. Okay? You brought up Cain and Abel. I, I'm sure that I brought it up in this class. But it, just in case, perchance, I didn't. Why did the Lord accept Abel's offering and not Cain's offering. What is the reason? Faith and works. Faith. It had nothing to do with blood. It had nothing to do with the type of offering. Nothing. Hebrews chapter 11, thank you, explains that. By faith, Abel. Okay, he made a more excellent offering than his brother Cain. He had faith. Cain just simply said, I got to go take this thing. Dad told me to take it or whatever reason he took his offering and he went and plopped it down at the altar and he walked away and said, gee, that was a waste of my time. Whereas Abel said, I'm doing something. I know that I need to restore my relationship with God. I'm going to bring this offering. It has nothing to do with the type of offering because grain offerings and, and other such offerings were given in the temple and they were accepted by the Lord. Faith, all right? And that is, that is all the way through the Bible. That's all the way through the Bible that it doesn't matter what offering. It doesn't matter what offering is given. If it is not given in faith, 
it is not an acceptable offering, okay? And that's why Jesus' offering, the highest offering of all, is absolutely of no value at all to people on this earth if they don't believe that he did it for them. If he was willing to earn that for them. God stepped out of the infinite realm and he hung on a cross in the person of Jesus Christ in order to redeem us to himself. And it means nothing to the world unless they have faith that it is acceptable, okay? It, faith, by faith. And it, let's, just because I said it and somebody out there is saying, well, what do you mean Jesus' offering doesn't have significance? Because they're universalist and they believe that everybody is saved by Jesus. It's called universal salvation. You go to a universalist church and they teach that. Everybody is saved because of Jesus' offering. What does it say in uh, John chapter 3, verse 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that everybody should not perish but have everlasting life. No, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Faith, that offering has all of the significance in the world, in the universe, for all of eternity, if you believe. And if you don't, it has no significance at all. I am sorry for people that believe in universalism, because it is a heresy. It is as damnable as a heresy as any out there. And as I've said many times, the, the stupidest thing on the planet is to go to a universalist church. Because if everybody is saved, then why bother going there? Just go out and have a good time on Sunday and do something else. But we're, we're here to learn the Lord's Word. We're to feed on the Lord's Word. We're to learn it and to apply it to our lives and grow in it every single day. And if we don't do that, we're moving back. This Word is what God has given us, to know Him better. Anyway, let's go on the list. Um, murder. Murder is in the list, and it's also the Sixth Commandment. Murder does not include the lawful taking of a life for a capital crime, okay? It does not. And who are the people that stand outside of the executions with their stupid signs and say, thou shalt not kill? They're all the same people that are supporting abortion. That's it. That they are the most convoluted bunch of people on the face of the planet that somebody has raped somebody's daughter and then killed her and cut her into little pieces and they say, he deserves to not die. And the Bible says no. And the only reason why they do this has nothing to do with they, they don't care about that person in that jail at all. What they care about is standing against God. That is what it comes down to. When they abort a baby, they do not think that that is the right thing to do. They do it because God knows that they know that God says it's the wrong thing to do. And that's why that happens. Hey, how you doing there, Joey? Um, we're right in the middle of Romans one twenty nine. Come on in. Um, that's all right. Um, uh, so here we go. Uh, met him a little while ago. Came by and uh, he works right down the way. And uh, so uh, uh, anyway, here we go. Um, let's see here. Um, uh, murder does not include the lawful taking of life for a capital crime. The taking of a life in self-defense. In other words, somebody comes through the door and they uh, threaten me. I'm going to take them out. That is not murder, okay? Or the taking of life in legitimate battle. We see that all the way through the Old Testament. The New Testament is silent on that precept. Okay, it is completely silent. It doesn't say, but Paul does speak of soldiers. A soldier, does, he doesn't get involved in uh, the affairs of the world or, or whatever, you know. But anyway, I'm misquoting that. But it does not include um, uh, being a soldier taking life in battle. As a matter of fact, my reading this morning, although this is Old Testament, it should show you how these things are viewed by the Lord. My reading was um, uh, 1 Kings... Uh, where was I? Uh, give me just one second, and I'm going to find it. Um, David rested with his father. Well, I, and, look at, uh, I think like the King James 
translations of like King James. Right. It, it, it throws up everything. And, and if yes, you it does. Logically, think it through. It's like one minute God's handing the Israelites the Ten Commandments. It says, "Thou shalt not murder." Right. And then several chapters later, it's like, okay, now it's time to go into the Promised Land, land and kill everyone. It's like so. Yeah. Well, actually, it was before that. Mm-hmm. It was chapter seventeen of Exodus. They were told to go and kill the Amalekites, right. right? Before the Ten Commandments were given. And so, you're right, the King James Version convolutes people's thinking because the word is kill in there. Thou shalt not kill. Well, you're told to kill here. You're told to kill in the, the as you said, when they enter into the land of Canaan. It is not the same concept. Murder is different than taking. God never changes. God doesn't change. So that would be a distinct that, that would be like, a distinct change. That's right. Okay, so here's what it says here as far as um, David. He's, he's about to check out, and he's uh, uh, appointed, or he's, uh, Solomon has been ordained as the uh, king of Israel, and David gives him some final instruction before he dies. And one of them, he says in uh, verse uh, 1 Kings 2, 5, um, Moreover, you know also what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me, and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner, the son of Ner. Now, these were enemies, the armies of Israel, but Anamasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed, and he shed the blood of war in peacetime, okay, and put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on the sandals that were on his feet. In other words, they weren't his enemies during peacetime, even though they were an enemy army. Then this guy took their life without being in battle, and David said, don't let his gray hair go down to uh, the Sheol in peace. In other words, he has broken the commandments of the Lord, David did not do that during his lifetime because he was a faithful commander of his army, but David understood that he needed to be judged for what he did. And so that's, uh, that's what occurred there with um, uh, uh, Joab and a couple other people as well. So uh, it's not murder to take a life. Let me go through that list one more time. Um, uh, uh, taking of life for a capital crime, executing person is not murder. Taking of life in self-defense or the taking of life in legitimate battle. Is not murder. The Bible is perfectly clear on these issues. What it does speak of is the intentional taking of another human life apart from these exceptions. Man was created in God's image. Now think this through. All right, we're created in God's image, and therefore to willfully take another life is a, a, an attack against God's image bearer. And that's why that precept not to murder is so uh, poignant in the Bible. It's because when you attack somebody who is created in God's image, you are attacking the image of God in that person, okay? And that's another reason why I do not believe in annihilationism. If you know Jehovah's Witnesses and some other uh, groups of people believe that God just annihilates people. There's no such thing as hell where people are punished, okay? And the reason... What? Yeah, he just vaporizes them. Why is that contrary to what God would ordain? It's because he created them in his image. For him to destroy them in that way would be a attack against himself. He's not going to. They will be punished, and it will be an eternal punishment, but he will not annihilate his image bearers because it would be contradictory to the nature which he instilled in them as human beings. And so it's important to understand that uh, uh, that the image of God is what is being attacked in a man which God finds an offense in, okay? So, um, let's see here. This includes the crime of abortion. Oh, I was just yep. When a society devalues human life, either by authorizing the murder of others, including the unborn, 
or by withholding the execution of capital crimes, that society becomes implicitly guilty in the blood that was shed. Now, we know that abortion is wrong, and we know that taking the life of a person that commits abortion, uh, um, I'm sorry, the, the taking of a life um, by the person who's the abortion doctor, in other words, is wrong. We know that. But what we have to understand is that when we do not execute capital crimes, this person killed another human being, we are working against God because God has ordained that that person who has violated his image in another image bearer by taking his life, his life is forfeit. And by not taking their life, we're as guilty of that crime as we are of actively taking another life through abortion or murder or any other thing. Okay, if somebody takes a life, their life is forfeit. Now, um, there are all the way through the Old Testament, and we know in the New Testament it doesn't change if somebody kills somebody by accident. That is not a willful violation of this precept. Okay, that's why murder and killing are two separate categories. Uh, I'm out in the, the woods, I'm chopping down a tree, the axe head flies off and it goes and kills the guy next to me. Wasn't intentional. Old Testament and New, that cannot be considered murder. But when you willfully take the life of another person, your life is forfeit. To not take that person's life, the society becomes implicitly guilty in the blood of the person that was shed. That's very important to remember. And so, so what we should do, and I'm not talking about uh, extrajudicial um, retribution. I'm not talking about us taking this into our hands like the guy did a couple, 10, 15 years ago. But abortion doctors should be executed, okay? They should be. Now, I'm not talking about somebody in this church going up and shooting an abortion doctor. That's murder. They have to be tried. They have to be uh, you know, held, found guilty, and then they need to be executed. They have taken another human life. And guess what? I, this could even go as far as people that vote for abortion, right? I'm not saying they go out and uh, you know, do a, a Hitler purge of all liberals if Trump was to win. But we need to set... We, <laughs> I, we yeah. need to set laws, and if those laws are violated, we need to execute punishment upon those violators. Look that, how perverse that even the medical field has become. The medical the, field. The Hippocratic oath. Yes. Is thou shalt be, not, not, do no harm. Do no harm. That's like, right. How, how plain is that? It's like, That's know, right. And they are violating that every time they abort a baby, every time they commit a euthanasia, on and on and on. These are these are really important issues, and it seems like it's just kind of a side issue. It these is, are these are absolutely moral issues that have to be contemplated. Okay, going on for murder, we go to strife. Um, strife can be summed up as conflicting with others about words more than things. Okay, and we know people like that on Facebook all the time. You say something, and all they want to do is niggle away with words. Okay, that's strife. It is seeking glory and victory in speech and conflict rather than seeking for the truth. Once you make a post about anything, this probably happens to you a lot. Maybe not. I don't know if you have a lot of friends that aren't, aren't uh, with your political views, but you don't get that. I do. Oh. You know, because I friend anybody. And I, we had it this week. Jim and I both had it this week, and it turned out worse for me. But it, we, we make a, a post. It doesn't matter what the post is about. You make a post about, um, you know, Christianity and abortion. Somebody is there to start arguing with oh, you. Yeah. And they don't even really care what they believe. They just are there to argue. You know, and then when you show them the fallacy of their way, what do they do? They get more belligerent and they take it out in another way. That's what Paul is speaking about here, strife. It's a person that argues for the sake of argument and they are, they're almost violent in the way that they treat other people with their words, okay? 
Uh, this sin, because strife is a sin, has become so commonplace since the introduction of the internet that it is everywhere at all times. You see a lot of it on these, uh, uh, um, what do you call it, um, political talk shows like on Fox and CNN, they get people debating each other. That becomes strife, and it gets people riled up, and all it does is it causes harm to society. That's all it does. People can be passionate about their views, they can eloquently state them, but when you start attacking people about their views, I really don't like Glenn Beck, but he happened to be on when I turned on the radio this morning when I was driving back from my morning job, and he said something that is right. He said, the uh, freedom of speech in the United States of America is there for the most, the most, uh, the person that you disagree with the most, the most passionate person that disagrees with you. Because if he doesn't have a right to his freedom of speech, and I'm talking about real, I'm not talking about violent speech, I'm not talking about things like that. I'm talking about people that just completely differ, disagree with your viewpoint. That's why the First Amendment is there, is because they have a right to have that view. And what happens is people try to shut other people's rights down, and they say, you can't say that, which is happening to Christians all the time now. But that First Amendment was to protect those rights. Even if somebody vehemently disagrees with Christianity, Christians have a right to express those views as long as they don't harm other people in any way or cause public you know, uh, uh, disruptions. Like um, what's the old saying? You can't um, uh, yell movie in a crowded firehouse, right? I'm sorry, you can't, you can't yell fire in a crowded movie house because people might get hurt, right? But that was a joke. Um, I'm glad some people laughed. Anyway, uh, that, that is not free speech because people can get hurt by that. But free speech is uh, uh, something that needs to be protected with the person that you absolutely disagree with the most on an issue. Because if it's not, then any speech can be taken away from you. All right? So um, let's see here. Um, uh, social media has given everyone the ability to attempt to seem authoritative on a matter, whether they know what they're talking about or not. People strive for the sake of strife. And that's what, I, remember that the people that email me, and it wasn't just one. I get these emails all the time about asking about Jesus' name. And I brought it up on the board several times. Should we be calling him by this name? Should we be using the original Hebrew? And people will get into the most goofy argumentation over things like that. When One, they don't know what they're talking about. They have no idea. They heard something and they pass it on, like, and they start arguing. Well, you're a heretic because you say Jesus instead of, you know, Yeshua, right? It's crazy. It's just people just, but that is what this is talking about. And it's become more and more and more commonplace in Christian circles today. You need to have soundness in your theology. You need to not get into what I would call the realm of the goofy. And people do it all the time. They're, they, they live in the realm of the goofy. And most of it, you know, I hate to say it, and I say it quite often, but it's true. Most of it is prophecy people people that just live in this realm of watching these these bizarre prophecy you know videos that are not based in any reality at all none and they send me these links 50 a day and they say would you watch this and i'm not watching that i'm not getting into it i don't need to talk about that type of issue but that is not normal that is the realm of the goofy stick to this stick to this and your life will be much better you get off into these tangents and things devolve okay um, fix your eyes on Jesus, all right? Had a conversation with a, a good friend of mine about that a while ago. Um, okay, so um, let's see here. Deceit is engaging in deception. This is our next word. People engage in philosophy and empty deceit. 
as Paul says in Colossians 2, verse 8, and thus make boastful pretense to their own morality, even though they are often the basest of beings. Now, what does that mean? That, oh, well, like I said, Norman Geisler is a philosopher. He's an apologist and he's a philosopher. And what do they do? They do it year after year. They have um, uh, uh, Debate. debates on evolution. They have debates on the nature of God. They have debates on you know all of these kind of outside issues. They're relevant to the Bible, but they're, they're external. They're not things that the Bible specifically addresses. And they always get people that are like from the atheist camp. And they come in and they try to act like they're morally superior by, by saying the things that they do, and they cut down Christians who are simply going by the word of God. They're going by the morals which were established in us by our creator, and yet they demean us as if we're somehow perverted and twisted, and yet it is they who are setting their own moral standards, and they're saying that this is obviously right because we evolved from goo, we weren't created by God. And this is what Paul is speaking about right here. Okay, It, it is. It's very sad. They, um, but... I am not into those debates. Every single year, you know, I see the professors that I was under, they're on Facebook, and they'll post and they'll say, well, um, uh, the debate is coming up on this day. I don't need to watch it, because if you've seen one, you've seen them all. They go back and forth, and at the end, they make their little marks, and they say, boy, you really scored a point with them on that one, and they go back over here, and they say, see, I told that Christian that, and nothing ever gets resolved. It's just, there's no point. You know, debating people over an issue that they're firmly set in is pointless. It's like watching it, a, per, a, 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 a performance. performance. That's all. It, yeah, it's it like is. watching the debates on TV with the, yeah. the politicians. Not changing You're not changing side. anybody's mind. They just want to see who's going to score today's point. It doesn't change anything. So that and that's what Paul is writing about here. Philosophy and empty deceit. All right? Okay, the next on the list are those filled with evil-mindedness. Okay? This is the mental state of someone who is filled with Satan and not by God, okay? They abound in wickedness. It is an insatiable <laughs> mental state which consumes every thought and then is displayed in every action. And we see people like this all over the world and it's getting worse. Because of this, the inevitable result is that they are whisperers. Or how does it say it in yours? Um, gossips. Gossips, thank you. All right. Oh, yeah, next word. Gossip, whether truthful things or untruthful things, has the main intent of conquering and dividing. The evil-minded don't have felicity and peace on their mind, but rather conflict and hatred. The so, they sow the seeds of these things with their whisperings. And you know what? That, that is what happens in churches all the time. You know, Jesus talked about it. I know it's, it's under the uh, uh, Old Testament. He's speaking to Israel under the law. But the premise holds true in the church as well. Does everybody know what uh, the tares are in the, uh, he says, the wheat and the tares? Do you know what tares are? Some translations say darnell. You know what darnell is? It's something that grows up and it looks exactly like wheat. Yeah, and that's why he used that particular uh, 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 analogy. analogy. Thank you. It's because they grow up and they look like somebody that's in the church, that's a member of the church, and yet they're in there to cause strife. They're in there to divide people. And that's why Jesus said, don't tear them out, you know, uh, uh, wait until the harvest and then we'll separate them at that time. It's because, you know, they look the same, they're causing trouble, but if you take them out, you might take out the good weed at the same time. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it's stuff that, you, type it into the internet, type in Darnell and you'll, it, you, it, on an image search and you'll see it looks very much like it, but it's different. It so has a fruit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It has a different character. It has a different nature. 
And people come into churches and they have all kinds of purposes that are not healthy. Happens all the time. They divide people, they chase people off. It is not healthy. And so uh, uh, that's what Paul is once again speaking of here. Uh, the evil-minded do not have felicity and peace on their mind. They have conflict and hatred. All right. And some people are very good about that in churches. I've heard of entire churches of two, three, four hundred people being divided over somebody that comes in that is just he's he's poison. And um, one of the things that happened at a little church that I was at uh, one time before is a guy went in there and he had intent of taking people out of that church and starting his own church from that church. And that that was wrong. And you remember when I started the uh, church on the beach, I did it in the afternoon to not conflict with the church that we were at. And at the same time, when we went to the mornings, because I thought it's time I want to be a preacher in a church, I said, nobody that attends another church, I don't want any of you to come next week. Okay? And as I say, there were three people there the next week because I did not want to be seen as one that is going to do something like this. That church has a right to have their church, and then uh, if people want to leave there, they will. They'll find a new church, and they'll move on. But uh, uh, it's, it's not right to come in under one guys in order to affect something else. And so that's Paul speaking of there. The list will continue as Paul describes the state of the human soul who is at enmity with their creator. That'll be in verse 130. Only through the new birth, which comes by calling on Jesus, can this state be terminated in a person. This doesn't mean that it will happen all at once, okay? Or even in this life. We all get attacked by Satan. We all have times that are difficult. It's very difficult for some. Okay, some people get over it easier. You know, I, I, I don't know why the Lord allows some of us to have burdens in our lives that we struggle with and that, that they bring us down. And, you know, I have burdens. I told you, I woke up at 12 o'clock last night and I did not get back to sleep. I, it did not happen. And that's happened all this week. And it's, I have burdens that I carry with me and they, they rob me of sleep. And some people have other burdens. Some people have sexual burdens. Some people have gambling burdens. Some people are addicted to alcohol. And they can get out of it through Jesus, and some people never can. And I don't know why that happens. There is no magic pill, and that's why I say again and again and again, fix your eyes on Jesus. That's the one way to overcome this world, is to keep your eyes on the Lord and to read his word day and night. I tell you what, if I didn't do this, first thing in the morning, I get up and... I, I get in here and I read the word. And the last thing I do at night is I read the word. And during the day, people email me with a question. I go to the word. Actually, I go to it online because it's just easier to cut and paste than it is to sit and type. But if you have time to read the word, read it. If you don't have time to read it, think on it. You know, we read the 119th Psalm before we start every week, one portion of it, and it, it, again and again. And let's just go to any part of it, Psalm 119. I'm just going to read you one part of it. It'll mention the word. We'll go to Psalm 113. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Let's go to another one, just so it doesn't look like I picked that one out. Let's go to Resh. Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. All the way through that, it's telling us to meditate on God's word. Because if we're not doing that, the world is filling us up with its junk. Okay? And it's so easy to get distracted. And it is so easy to have our lives torn apart. It is so easy. And so, get into the word. Stay in the word. That's I won't say it. I'm not going to say it. Um, uh, life application. 
This is a long life application. Think about where you can approve your own life and actions concerning any of them which still arise in you. Okay, you got a problem in you? Think, how can I get this resolved? And above all, there, there are other things that you can do to resolve a problem. If you are an alcoholic, you can take all the bottles and you can throw them out the door. But that's a temporary solution unless you replace that with something else. And that's why Jesus, what was it, the, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the person that sweeps his house clean. And the, the demon goes out and it goes into arid places, right? And it says, gee, I was happy where I was. And it goes and it gets seven demons worse than himself and it goes back and it occupies the man and he's worse off than he was when he began. Why? Because he didn't fill his house. He swept it out clean. I threw out all the bottles, right? I threw out all the pot. I threw out all the heroin. I threw out all the girls, whatever. I've swept my house clean and I don't fill it with something positive. Something negative is going to fill it back up. And that's Jesus warns us of that. The word tells us about that again and again and again. Stay in the word Stay close to the Lord. Talk. Talk to the Lord. I talk to the Lord all day. I'm telling you what, when I'm taking out the garbage and I'm muttering about all the tourists that are coming and I've got this headache because i got all this extra garbage to take out. Literally, in the summer, it might take me 15 minutes a day to get the four garbage and then go to 7-Eleven and I can be done in an hour with everything. Just the garbage during the, the winter time will take me an hour. And then I've got another hour of my other work to do before I can get out there. And I'm gross and I'm dirty and people throw stuff everywhere. It's, it's like, it's the world the is their garbage can. What's that? Even in the streets. In the streets. Yeah, $20 bills in the streets, buddy. Okay, there's a lot of people that are online right now that will be watching. And they did not see this post on Facebook. And so I want to give you, because you brought it up, I want to give you a, a life application. Okay, I was at 7-Eleven yesterday, and I, I'm at the mall, and I've got to draw this so you can see what I'm talking about. This is the mall. Okay, happy birthday. We can get rid of that, and we can get rid of all that. Just so you can, this is your life application for something happy before we get into verse 30. This is the mall over here. I'm going to go down here because this is the mall, all right? And I've got to clean up this whole mall, and here's the street, and then here's 7-Eleven over here, which I take care of that as well. And so I get out of the mall, and I have to walk around here, and I'm right here, and I've got, you know, probably, how big is a parking lot? 100 feet, 80 feet, I don't know, however. And there's one little mayonnaise pack right on Midnight Pass Road. What's a mayonnaise pack? You know the things that you squeeze, squeezy pack, and then people put them under tires and stuff? Yeah, and so if you ever want, you see people take, like, ketchup and mayonnaise packs, and they put them under tires of people's car. You've never seen them do that? They do it all over the place. I have to pick them all up. It's because when they back up, it squirts all over. It happens, and I've got, because they're stupid, they're childish. And I, I have a hundred of these sometimes during the, okay, so here, I'm right here, and all I need to do is walk straight over here, and then I'm done, right? But there's this one mayonnaise pack over there, and I thought, you know, I don't want to go pick that up. And then I thought, you know what? Peggy's paying me to do this. This is my job, and it's the right thing to do. So I walked all the way out to the road, and I picked up my mayonnaise pack, and it was a $20 bill folded exactly the size of a mayonnaise pack. And I thought, you know what? The Lord rewards you sometimes. And then as soon as, as soon as I got that, I thought, you know what? I thought, this is a real life lesson. Is that, Look at my hair standing up on this. There are people in the world that you see over here. And you say, I just don't have time to go help them out. You know that they're laying there in the street. You know they're in the gutter. And you think, I just can't get over there and... And, and do anything about it. But the reward is by going over and helping that person. 
I tell you what, the Lord will reward you in the end. It might not be a $20 bill immediately, but you will get your reward. So the mustard, the mayonnaise pack that is laying in the street needs to be picked up. And that person may have all kinds of problems in his life that you're the one that the Lord is sending their way. And so, you know, I, I, I was, that came to my mind immediately. And guess what happened? You don't know this because um, it happened after, um, uh, uh, it was this morning, I walked in to 7-Eleven and I gave them the lesson of the mayonnaise pack. Yeah. You know, I just told them, when you see somebody that needs help and Peggy, she goes, oh, that's so sweet. You know, and anyway, the, the two guys are standing there and they, the, the, there's a new guy that works the night shift and he said, ah, oh, thank you for that. Thank you. This morning, I'm in the back taking out the garbage and I'm in the dumpster separating out all the recycles and uh, 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 he walked up and he said, hey, I'm looking for that mayonnaise pack. And he wasn't talking about the money. He was talking about a person. I was so happy. He picked up on that. Wow. So, you know, the Lord is good. Anyway, pick up your garbage. Um, okay, so we are in 130. Now, finally, we're done with the verse. Okay. And we'll, we will get done with 130, and then that's all we're going to have time for today, I think. Go ahead. Slanderers, god beaters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. That is one of my favorite verses or, or portions of a verse in the whole Bible. Read that again. They, they invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. That's it. Okay. Okay, the lengthy list, which began in the previous verse, continues on now. Now, sometimes when I'm reading these, and it sounds like we just did that verse a second ago, right? And it sounds like, well, why would you say that? It's because I typed these so the people online know this. This is part of my daily uh, Bible commentary. And so I do one verse a day. And so by the next day, when the next one is published, I have to remind people of what we talked about the day before. That's why I say things like that sometimes. But the previous verse. Paul includes backbiters as our first uh, our, our first of verse 30. A backbiter is similar to the whisperer of the previous verse. But what the whisperer says silently, the backbiter says openly. And I knew people when I was especially in the wastewater business for 20 years. It, you don't have this because you just get on a tractor and drive and that must be the best thing in the world. I, I, I think of Tom, he's out there, you know, and he's just driving around and I'll, 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 I'm going down to the projects and I'll see him at one job where, before he meets us in the projects. And there he is and he's just riding on his tractor, he's blowing off the parking lot and I say, how nice is that? You don't have to deal with people. It's just <laughs> terrible, you know? But there were a lot of backbiters, especially in the utilities business. It was just like a breeding ground for it. But anyway, um, uh, he says these things openly, yet not in the presence of the one that they're defaming. And that's the thing about a backbiter is they've always got something negative to say about somebody, but they wait until you're gone and then they say all these bad things about you. Okay? This is the person who would openly walk up and hug someone but as soon as they leave the room, they would find malevolent words with which to tear them up. Yeah, two-faced. Absolutely. Judas. That, that, what? Judas. Yeah, Judas. Very good. Gives, gives you a kiss, and then next thing you know, he's, he's grabbing us 30 pieces of silver. Okay, next Paul lists haters of God. All right, this is one of the most con common sentiments found in the world, and yet it is of the highest category of crime that there is. That's it. It, it, the, most people in the world, and I'm talking about the majority, I'm not talking about most, I'm, the majority of the people in the world are literally haters of God, okay? It's so prevalent in this world, and it is the highest crime that we can commit is to hate our Creator, all right? The Bible says in uh, Psalm 14, verse 1, anybody? 
The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Repeated in Psalm 53, 1. It says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Such is the atheist. However, the person that says he hates God is a double fool. Because why? Why is the person who says he hates God a double fool? Well, I'm gonna, that, 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 that's a good, good reason. He does hate himself. He, you have to hate yourself in order to hate God. Here's, the, here's what I was thinking of. Um, he, he, uh, because he openly acknowledges that there is a God, oh. right. and yet he shows contempt for him. Think about it. So he says, I hate God. Why? You, if he's God, he's God. He's sovereign over everything. Then why would you hate him? Get in line with him, and things there. will get better. What's yeah, he's hate? not fair. No, it does, if, he, if he's not there. Oh yeah, if he's then not what's, there. Then what's to hate? What's to hate? So what's the deal? That's exactly it's, right. So he's a double fool if he's a hater of God. That's exactly that right. Was if in he, that movie, God is not dead. God is not dead. Yeah, what a good movie. God is not dead, and God is not dead too. Just somebody's got it now, and they got to pass it on to somebody else. But that needs to go through the whole church because it is. I really liked them. You know, it wasn't. Hollywood quality, but it was, it, 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 no, it was very good quality, but it was, the acting was a little less than Hollywood quality, but the message was beautiful. The message is what was beautiful. The what? There was no sex. Well, that's, oh yeah, there was no sex. That's right. Yes. That's how you knew it wasn't Hollywood. Well, it didn't even Paul, when he was found kicking against oh, yes. God, he was doing it in his own way. But a person apart from God, even a person, sometimes you feel as if God's out to get you, even though you know he's there. But it, what it is, you don't have a, understanding of his inner workings because even Paul said one of the greatest things is to know Christ because in knowing God you know yourself that's you right know the world you're living in and you know that the heart as he says is desperately wicked you got my hair standing up all over my arm there and it's desperately sick that's and right there's a lot of people that's even in churches who don't think that no they that's right they are righteous and that their standard of what they're doing you is must not right. did you watch last week's sermon no. Okay. Well, last week's sermon, I talked about exactly that. If you have inherent righteousness, you don't need imputed righteousness, and that's what people think. I yeah, absolutely. If you tell people, even if you come out and quote, was it that I forgot where it's at? Anyhow, and and tell them that they would almost defy it. They said not me. Oh yeah, that's right. But every day I see my heart, and I've been a Christian almost forty years. And I have to guard it. I have to protect it. Constantly. Constantly. Yeah, it's, a, it's a struggle. It is, it is a constant fact, struggle. Say, it's a, it's, I fight the good fight. Yeah. Press on. It's not Romans so 7, he brings that up. He says, who will free me from this body of death? Ooh, you know it, bro. Christ Jesus, my thanks be to God. Christ Jesus, my Lord. Okay, um, <clears throat> let's see here. So um, uh, nothing could be more astonishing talking about the person that says he hates God when, you know, he's, uh, hey, how we doing there? Oh, no, you're right on time. You're right on time. Um, so uh, the epitome of this hatred is directed by those at enmity with Jesus Christ. The reason for this is explained in John chapter 15. Anybody know what verse I'm going to go to? I'm divine. John chapter 15. John 15, verses 24 and 25. What does he say there? This is the epitome of hating God. Okay. John 15, i got to get there. I'm keep going back and forth and not to the verse I need. John 15, 24 and 25 says, He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. Okay? In other words, oh, oh, let me go back to 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Okay? So what he's saying is that if you don't love me, you don't love the Father. 
And they said that in a million different ways. I mean, I and the Father are one, and if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the ultimate hatred of God is to be a hater of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, that's why there's this great conflict in Judaism, is because they literally, I, I literally see vulgar commentaries about Jesus quite often from Jews. They say, if he, you know, if he comes again, I'm going to kill him, and you know, all of this kind of stuff. I, I, I see once this. Once wasn't enough. Yeah, once wasn't, you know, and it, it is very sad because he has got those hands reaching out to them. He has got the, and he, he is bringing them back into the land. He's done everything for them, and yet they continue to reject him. And guess what? Two thirds of that nation is going to be destroyed before they call on him. That's what the Bible says in Zechariah. So it's very sad, but. Um, to hate Jesus is to hate God and there's no way around that people can't say well I love God in my own way if you witness enough you're going to hear that anybody heard that one I love God in my own way Okay, I'm sorry if you don't love him through Jesus Christ you have no love at all for the father that is as apparent in scripture as it can be anyway um, let's see here Uh, the next group Paul highlights are the violent this word is translated differently by various translators it comes from the word uh, hyperphanos, okay? The word phano means to shine forth, okay? So think of it, hyper shining forth. Uh, and hyper is above or over. Therefore, this is better translated as prideful. In other words, I'm, I'm super shining forth, right? I'm a proud and boastful person. They believe they shine over and above everyone else, all right? This is one of the chief sins noted in the Bible because when pride steps in, then the proud person has only contempt for everyone around him, including God. Now, we see that in politics all the time. I mean, every I'm better than everyone else. And you see their secret emails that suddenly get revealed uh-huh. and how they have contempt yes. for the people they say they love. Uh-huh. And we've been seeing that all the time. Is people? It, this isn't just politicians. I'm just using them as an easy example. But how many people, how many ministers that you see in history that... You know, they, 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 they're, they're, they're so full of themselves, you know? But they won't sit on a plane with other people. They won't come out and meet their people. And they're, they're too, I, you know what? Yeah. You gotta be the common people or you are, you're, you've got pride in you, you know? The one that I really liked, I, I don't know if it's really a true story or not, but you see the guy's picture from time to time, it gets recycled on Facebook and it's a good object lesson. Is it has a picture of a guy that looks like me, but with really dirty clothes on. He's just filthy and, um, uh, he went into church and nobody talked to him. And halfway through the church, he walks up to the front and he was the pastor of the church. Nobody had talked to him. So I don't know if that's true or not, but it, 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 it could be. Anyway, he had put on this gross beard and these dirty clothes. And uh, yeah, you know, that's a pastor that loves the people and wants the people to love other yes. people, yep. you know. But I don't need to dress up like that. I'm already <laughs> that way. So anyway, whatever. Um, let's see here. Um, uh, uh, okay, this is what I said that there, and uh, here we go. Um, oh, yeah, let me go back a couple words. Then the proud person has only contempt for everyone around him, including God. It is self-deification, all right? I'm the center of the universe. I am the God that needs to be tended to by everybody. And this is it's a common problem, but um, the New King James Version translates this violent, and this is often an inevitable result of pride. When someone who is prideful gains power and authority, it can be brought out in the most violent of ways. And let me tell you what, Stalin, Hitler, the guy over in Korea right now, I got him in the prophecy update coming up on Sunday. 
the guy over in Korea, what he Kim has Jong. done to yeah, uh, Kim Jong Un and his father, you know, Kim Il, and uh, they are utterly, utterly corrupt people. And the things that they do are so horrifying. And you know, he'll have a top general, and the top general will not sit properly during one of his speeches, and he'll have him executed. Right? I am the center of the universe, and everybody better pay attention to me. And if you make one slip up, I, I mean, can you imagine how the, the the people walking around, how neurotic they must be living around a guy like that? But okay. Um, next come boasters in our list. This is a good follow up to those who are prideful, because along with pride comes great boastings of self. Those who are boastful will trump their achievement above those of everyone else, and nothing else will satisfy their lust for praise. Makes me think immediately of the Kardashian sisters. Uh They they, they have to continuously be at the top of the spotlight, and if they're not, some people actually, did you hear she got robbed in France? Some people believe that she actually set that up because their ratings have been going down, and they they need to stay at the top of the game, and so she set up being robbed of six million dollars worth of jewelry it is possible i don't know if it's true or not but people actually believe that because the ratings have been plummeting but this is also the thought that the husband dead oh that could be too so they need money they they need need, uh insurance money Mm -hmm. so whatever the reason is that's the type of people that come right to mind there they're you know they're they're beautiful they're handsome they're wealthy and it's never enough and so they just have to keep keep ahead of everything man I don't need this world. I, I got to tell you what, don't give me any of that. But uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, when it comes, talking about the praise, more boasting comes in hopes of more praise. This is the person with the I problem. He sees himself and nothing else. I, I, I. Okay? And then from boasters, we move to inventors of evil things. The word is kakon, and it means evil. This is speaking of those who simply invent new forms of evil. As I said, this is one of my favorite portions of the entire Bible, is that people just lay in their beds and they think up how to be wicked. And I'm telling you what, the world is ripe with these people. People that just think, how can I... If you read as many news articles as I do every day, because I I, I read dozens and dozens of sites, and especially Mail Online has hundreds of articles and I read every one of them every day just the title and if it's interesting then I go and read the article as well just to get ready for Sunday then there's one other site that's like that and to see it is it's very depressing at the end of the day sometimes I think I I just can't believe it no way you don't sleep well no I I, I don't sleep I don't this week has been for a very specific reason and it's been brutal it's been a hard week but um, uh, yeah as far as I just get depressed reading some of these articles and you read something and you think, who would even think of what that person did? And this is all day, every day. Mail online is full of this kind of stuff. It's full of it. And what they do is they say, if you know of an unusual news story, please email it to us. And so they get them from all over the world. And they're putting it out there. And people literally must lay in bed and invent ways of being evil. And so when I see one of these things, this verse comes to mind. It comes to mind all the time because people are, they're dreaming up, what can I do that's more evil than what somebody else has done? More perverse than what somebody else has done? More violent or more wicked? It, it, it is unreal how much I see. Um, but uh, let's see here. Um, uh, their minds think up perverse things, wicked things, and innovative things. All which will satisfy a lust for accomplishing evil in new and exciting ways. Perfect example, the porn industry fits it perfectly. 
how can we make this more exciting? Because we have 15,872,000 porn videos and we gotta make something new. So they think of something more wicked than the, the one before, just so that they can sell a couple dollars worth of, and you know, it is a multi-billion dollar industry in America. Multi-multi-billion dollar industry. And they gotta think of something new every time. It, it, unreal. Okay, as people become numb to one form of perversion, something new is introduced to excite the audience. This cycle eventually leads to such horrors as, I don't know if you've ever heard of a snuff film. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that? Yes. Okay, snuff film is where they have a porn movie and they kill the person at the end and they literally kill them. And these are movies out there that people on the black market can get these things because it, they, they, they need something to go beyond what they saw the time before. Um, uh, the horrifying level to which the depraved mind will sink seems to have no end. And that takes us right back to Genesis 6. We're at that point in the world right now. So let me read you what it says in Genesis chapter 6. Because I, I cannot believe that we are going to continue much longer in the world that we're in before the Lord destroys it a second time. Um, he says, um, uh, let's see here. And the Lord said... Um, uh, where is it? Where is it? Okay, verse 5, 6, 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Exactly what Paul is writing right here. There are some people that are like this and more and more people are becoming like this now because we have the internet, because we have communications, which is allowing people to invent things. And what do they do? They post them and then somebody else says, well, I can outdo that. And they it, 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 and that is where we are in the world, and I don't know how the world can continue without the second judgment of fire coming soon. I, I, I just can't see it. And I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these speculators, well, we're right at the end, and it just, how can it get worse? That's what I think. How can the world get worse to the point where God says, okay, now it's like Genesis 6, and I'm going to destroy it? How can it be? But, you know, two years ago, I thought the world was really bad, and... That was nothing compared to what's happened in the past two years. I, I, I just, I, I can't believe how bad this place is. Anyway, don't mean to be depressing there. Um, the final category in this verse are, is those who are disobedient to parents. Sorry, Mom. Sorry. Do you know what? I actually, I actually went to my mother when I came back from Malaysia. And she was out, we had the clothesline outside of the house at the time, and I was hanging up clothes, and she showed up at the house. And I actually went over to her, and I hugged her, and I said, I am so sorry for everything I did. Because now I had my own children, and I knew what it was like to have children. Yeah, well, I did, and I, I, I did. I, I, I said, I had no idea how little children can invent wickedness. And if that was a reflection of what I did to you, I am that sorry. Wow. Well, brother, when I was little, they tried to beat it out of you. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's, well, I take, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, don't want to incriminate yourself. Don't want to get my mom and dad in too much trouble, so I won't say, yeah. But, yeah, and I, same thing with my children. Yeah, yeah. you don't want to incriminate yourself. But, uh, okay, so uh, disobedient to parents. Can I say something? Yes. This, this seems like a big downshift. I mean, inventing evil every day and then disobeying your parents. It seems like... It does seem like it, but it's not. As a matter of fact, it's probably as important of, of a precept well, as any. It's important in is that it's usually the seed that starts... That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. If somebody is disobedient to a parent when they're young and they're not corrected, it's just going to get worse in life because then they're going to be disobedient to society. And if they're disobedient to society and the judges don't judge them, look at the guy that just a week ago 
How many people is he harmed and stolen from and, and, and crime after crime after crime? And then he's, um, uh, uh, what was it? I, I think it was the guy that got out of jail and beat up a police officer five minutes after he was out of jail for beating up a police officer. And it's just, it, the person needs to be ended. And if not ended, he needs to be in jail for the rest of his life. And we, uh, I'm not going to find it really quickly, but um, uh, in the book of Job, it says something, um, uh, when, well, I'm, I'm going to misquote it, and I don't want to do that. It's concerning judges and how they're blinded. When they make judicial decisions that are blinded to the law, wickedness grows in the land. And that's exactly what happens. And But it all begins with, as you said, disobedience to parents. So um, let's see here. Um, the family is the nucleus of a well-running society. When the family structure breaks down, which is exactly what they want in this nation right now, that's why we have the problems we have is because they want to do away with the nuclear family. That's why they give more money for people to have more children when they're not married so that they can keep people on the dole. The nuclear family is destroyed. That is what they want. When the family structure breaks down, the society naturally breaks down as well. And so discipline within the family must be maintained. So great is the necessity for this that God, when speaking the law to Israel, included the words of Deuteronomy 21, verses 18 through 21. Let me read that to you. This is how important this was to maintain this in, in the uh, law. Deuteronomy 21, and it said 18 through 21, so give me a second to get over there. And um, it says, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son, who will now imagine the Lord is mandating this, and uh, who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them. Then his father and his mother, his own parents, shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city, to the gate of this city. And they shall say to the elders of this city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious, and he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. And that is what we're to do, is to have a sense of fear in society. Not so that the people would be afraid, but so that they will make right moral decisions. If people are let out of prison, or not even sent to prison for committing crime after crime after crime, there's no sense of fear. And when there's no sense of fear, then the people run rampant you know, a rough shot over the rest of society. Yeah, they run him up. Robin sees in school, when you have a kindergartner pick up a chair and throw it against the wall. And they can't do anything about it. They can't do anything about That's it. That's right, because we've gotten ourselves into a society where you can't touch any There's child no without getting sued. There's Absolutely no respect for teacher. I wouldn't be a teacher in this world mm -hmm. at this point in time, not for the life of me. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't society do it. also tells them they can't help it because it was brought on by ancestry or yeah. centuries of other kind of things. Right. They justify that behavior. That's right. That's right. Susan Garrett, would you do me a favor? Sure. Could you walk two doors down and ask them uh, why they haven't come yet? Oh. Oh. I, I was hoping I wouldn't have to do that, but um, unfortunately... It's, Thank you, Susan Garrett. Yeah, it's, it's a bit late, so... Uh, um, and that's why I, I told them... That's that, why you said we were that's no well no because it's just a long verse but that's why i have that sitting right there so y'all should have known by that sitting there but anyway um okay so um uh let's that see the 20 dollar bill you found yeah that 20 dollar bill i found that's right um yeah 
it, 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 there's inflation, so it's not worth as much today. Um, likewise, in Exodus 21, verse 17, the Lord notes that anyone who curses his father and his mother or his mother shall be put to death. If you do that, you'll be put to death. Now imagine, because I'm sure that all of us have said something bad about our parent at some time or, oh, here, they were coming right now. Ah, oh, boy, oh boy, I sent her just two minutes. That was supposed to be a surprise, and I, I blew it, and here he is coming anyway. Come on, no, 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 come here. He, he, made, he had to walk all this way with those pizzas. We can't just let him get out of here without. There you go, thank you very much. No, 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 you're the pizza man. All right. Thank you very much. All right, we will. Have a great evening. All right. Yes, Pete. Um, Let's see here. Um, Okay, so yeah, um, unfortunately, modern society has completely reversed the roles, and television shows commonly portray children who are insolent to their parents and who tell them what to do rather than the other way around. And that is intentional. That was something that Hollywood and and, uh, the movie industry has intentionally done, is to place the children at the head of the household instead of the parents. They are upturning society on purpose for their agenda. And eventually it's going to be just the way that they want it. They did it in Russia. They did it uh, in China. They're doing it here. Communism is taking root because they have broken up the nuclear family. They've turned society upside down. And as I said, the people that are being highlighted right now, you know, the LGBTQ and all that, those people are being highlighted in society as the great victors and they will be the first to be killed by the new government. They will be the very first. They were in Russia, they were in Germany, they were in Italy. They will be the first people. They are, they are unmentionables as far as these people are concerned, but they are using them for a political agenda. And they think that they are the, the, the head of society and they're the innovators and they're the people that will be taken out behind the chemical shed first. Believe me on this. This is repeated time and again in history. So, um, let's see here. Um, Can you just uh, say one thing? Yes, please. Uh, it, it seems to me that from observation and watching, and when kids go to college and they're taught yep. entitlements, um, but while they're being raised, yeah, the kids are the head of households. They're not being trained. That's right. And they're taught to be a learned helplessness that's as, right as adults I, I got one maybe this weekend coming up in the prophecy update on just that and then somebody sent me another one from England uh, just yesterday on my I think it was on my wall on Facebook people are being trained out of being responsible instead they're completely helpless when they get out in the society because they believe that they're in charge of the family the parents are scared of them and so but they have no knowledge of how to run themselves and so they're when they get into a, 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 an environment like that in college they have no grounding they're completely helpless, and that's why we have safe rooms in, in uh, yeah, I mean, in all of the colleges now. They have little safe rooms, so children can go in and they can say, well, I was offended by somebody. I need my safe space. It's because they don't know how to handle life anymore, because the parents won't discipline them. All right? Anyway, um, this only leads to chaos within a society because God's order of what is right has been rejected. Life application, and we'll finish a couple minutes early today. Think about where you can improve the conduct of your own life. Stand firm on God's word and know that he has not only shown us the proper way of conducting our lives, but he has shown us what displeases him. And that's important to understand is that we have to know not just what is right, but also what makes him unhappy. And not in the sense that God changes, but what we change in relation to him. And that is something that he would be displeased with. 
is that, you know, and the Bible is full of all of it. We've got commands, we've got exhortations, and we've got things that will implicitly tell us the opposite. Don't do this because, do this because. So you have to read them from both directions. What is going to make God happy? What is going to keep him from being displeased? Okay? Anyway, um, anything, we've got a couple more minutes. Is there anything that you want to ask before we uh, bail out of here? Or and let me just real quickly put that there. Okay, sorry. Anything? No? Well, your um, original depiction on the board there about you know, God not changing and we standing on the pole going yes. from one side to the other. It's just like, you know, you're standing outside in rain of love coming down from God, you decide to walk underneath the shelter or put your umbrella up, right. you've, you've made the choice of not, not allowing God to pour his love out right. on you. So it's like, you know, he didn't change. He didn't change he at all. Changed. The love is streaming all the time. God is love. And you can't turn it around and say love is God. There's an article in front of God. The God is love. And so people try to do that. They say, well, love is God. And that is where the world completely completely devolves and, and is because go ahead has such a narrow of love i mean you know you betcha you know, the, the greek the greek has like 16 words no i think it's five i no, think there's five categories they, yeah yeah but Agape, um, phileo uh, yeah you got yeah um, eros thank eros, you that's yeah. another one yeah you got these different loves that uh and we just think love is love, and so we get misdirected in our thoughts. And you know, we have to be careful about that. You're absolutely right. Well, eros is the sexual nature. Love. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for uh, uh, allowing this church to continue for three years as of today. Uh, what an honor. What a, what a uh, thing that I am personally thankful for. And uh, I hope that... Uh, there are many that are, are blessed by it, and uh, I thank you for every single person that attends, both in residence and online, and uh, my heart is overflowing because of that. Lord, um, I, I pray for each person here and each person that is not here right now that uh, they will have a good week ahead and that they'll be blessed in their hearts and blessed in their souls, and each person online who is so precious and uh, uh, wanting to know your word it means more to me than anything else that people are willing to sit and listen to your word being taught, being preached, and to want to know you more. Because it's the only source we have. It's the only thing you have left us with is this superior and precious word which tells us of your heart for us and what you did for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it. We love you for it. We praise you for it. And we ask that you just open our hearts and minds to it continuously. Help us to reflect on your word and to meditate on it and to just fill our souls with it always. Lord, you are so good to us. How good you are to us and always. And we just want to give you praise and glory and honor. We'll do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let me push this so that we can get that. You can say goodbye to everybody over here. Let's see here. Go there. And we have pizza. You're welcome to stay, too. Got, I don't know if we have enough... Uh, um, okay, it's back. All right, have a wonderful uh, week. We love you, okay? Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, turn that off. All right, that's off. And uh, okay, let's have...